Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Eric Russell, HCI Research Associate, as part of our weekly servant leadership series. Today, we talk about stewardship, what it means, why it's important, and how it applies to both leaders and followers. Dr. Eric Russell, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, glad to be here. It's great to have you back for our third installment of the Servant Leadership Series, where we're exploring the different fundamental elements of servant leadership. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about stewardship, um, why it's important, um, how it relates to leadership and followership, and how organizational leaders can take these concepts and apply them into how they work with their people. Um, And for our listeners, uh, I'm sure you all remember, but Dr. Eric Russell is an HCI research associate and also an associate professor of emergency services at Utah Valley University, as well as a a whole laundry list of other um, background qualifications and experiences that he brings to the table um, in, in, uh, the military and emergency services uh, and in his thought leadership uh, around leadership, servant leadership and, and organizational effectiveness. Um, Eric, anything you'd like to add before we dive on in? No, I'm just excited to talk about our next topic. Uh, we're going to be discussing stewardship and it's something that I love. And uh, I think something that matters, the way that you approach leadership as a steward. So this should be a good one. Excellent. Well, to, to start off, let's just start by defining terms. So what is stewardship in your mind? So I like to go all the way back to the medieval days, you know, so you would, you would be a lord or a duke or a prince, and you would have somebody that you trusted that earned it to be over everything that you owned they would oversee your property and your art and your money and your gold. They were your stewards and they would cultivate something that wasn't theirs for a short time. And so to me, the concept of stewardship is about you take something on for a period of time and it's your responsibility to cultivate it, to hone it, to grow it, um, to care for it as if it were your own. And then you either give it back or you pass it to the next person who comes in as the steward through succession. That to me is um, 
what stewardship is about. It's that feeling of ownership over something that isn't yours necessarily. However, you are the trusted agent of it. I really like that, the trusted agent. And that applies to, to every role we have in life, right? Whether sure. it's leading an organization or in the home, um, parenting, uh, you know, whatever the, the case may be. Um, so being the, the trusted agent, uh, I think is, is a vital perspective to have. And it, it means that there's, there has to be a level of humility in how we approach our roles and our leadership positions over other people, right? Because it's not about us. We're just stewards. We're just trusted agents to, to, uh, carry out what needs to be done. Uh, we don't own it. It's, you know, uh, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so why, why do you feel it's um, such an important concept as it relates to servant leadership? Well, the thing is, is as a servant leader, we're, we're not immortal. You know, our time is only, our time is only so long here on earth. And our time is even, even shorter than that when it comes to like our working years and in the time that we have to put into, to a company or an organization or an agency it, it dep- or a family, depending on what it is. Um, and when you see your role as a steward, you understand the concept of cultivation, of growth, of making it, making it better. I mean, you can take this all the way back to, to, to biblical times. You can take this into philosophy, but it really is about, I hand you something and I trust you with it. And then you hand it back better because you care for it. And that's what the organization needs to be, is it needs to be something that you cultivate because it's not yours forever. And if you're talking about a publicly traded company, if you're talking about um, some type of a government agency because you're in public services, you don't own that. You know, the taxpayer does or the shareholders do. And they are trusting you with the helm of this ship for a certain period of time. And when you establish that in your mind that you are the steward of it, well, then you start thinking of it's, it's, it's best. You don't, you don't just let it sit there at idle. You don't just put things under a blanket and walk away or bury them in the backyard. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So steward, stewardship is really about is about the word cultivation and it's about care. And when you take on that mindset, you can really grow these grow these companies and grow these businesses and grow these organizations in a positive way. Yeah. And I think of the comments uh, of a couple of the board chairs um, for a board of directors that I've been on uh, the the Human Resource Certification Institute, which is the main um, HR certification body in the United States and for and for most of the world. And for three years, I was on the board of directors, uh, and I, I I had two different board chairs that I served under, and the mantra of both of them was Institute first. So we're we're on the board. Um, we, we have a fiduciary responsibility to how the finances are run, having an effective organization, um, looking out for the employees of the organization, the customers, uh, and really the profession, trying to, 
to champion the HR profession and be a, a good steward of the profession, right? And so there's all these different competing priorities and we'd have to balance um, a lot of different elements as we're trying to think about uh, responsible growth and, and uh, finances and everything surrounding you know, running a business. And the mantra over and over and over again that we were, were reminded of by these chairs of this board of directors was institute first, that we as the board are stewards of this institute that's been around for 40 plus years. It's been around before we were here. It'll be around long after we're gone. We're, we just for a short period of time have the opportunity, have um, the responsibility to carry it forward. And then, and then we'll, we'll hand the baton off to somebody else and give them a turn, right? So I, I spent three years on the board and then I rotated off and now someone else had, you know, is in my spot and they're doing that. Um, the, the point is it's, it's about doing no harm to the Institute. It's about cultivating and building the Institute. Uh, it's, a, it's about um, maximizing the potential of the resources that we have and building the resource base that we have and not getting stuck on ourselves ever, um, not, not allowing our ego to, to uh, dictate our decision-making, um, which can happen in those types of um, contexts sometimes because you have very successful people um, who sit on those boards and they, you know, they, they have strong opinions and attitudes about what should happen and it very quickly and easily could devolve into um, kind of just a, a pissing match, you know, where people are just trying to to support their own viewpoint for the sake of it, to to not lose face or to you know to 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 build and strengthen their ego, rather than actually help help the organization that we're stewards over. So that always yeah. stuck that always stuck with me, um, and it probably always it's something I'll always remember that we we have to put these organizations as an organizational leader, we have to put the organization and the people in the organization first. And it's not about us ever. No, because the, the, the thing is that, that people, people forget that when your organization and your people are successful, you're successful, you know, but if your first and foremost mission is to yourself, and not to yourself in the roundabout way, meaning you want to build a great business and you want it to be amazing and all of this kind of thing, but it's just to yourself. It's just to serve yourself. Well, then that means that the organization is, it's there to serve you. And that means that your people are there to serve you. And so that makes it subservient. So when you make, when you make something subservient to you, you don't see that the need to cultivate that to be something that can grow and can be can be better, a, an organization where your people can actually start to um, self-actualize, where they can start to become more creative and innovative, and take more chances and take a little bit more risk, right? Because everything has to come in to serve you and to feed your ego. But the thing is, is you can be served and you can be very well fed by going this other route, and you're going to be a hell of a lot happier, and you're going to have far more loyal people. Because when they see, when individuals see the mission and they see that their leaders have this, I don't, I don't want to say it's loyalty, but they have this almost like a gardener mindset 
of, of whatever it is they've been entrusted to be in charge of, other people start to see that as well. It's, it's like with negativity. Negativity is a virus, but so is positivity. So is that, that, that care for that organization. And the organization is its people. And the organization even is its, is its leader. And when you look at it through the eyes of a steward, it's to what, however long your tenure is going to be, when you hand that organization off, it's going to be better than when you found it. However, if it's a mindset of this organization is here to serve me, well, then you're just going to bleed it dry. You're going to suck it down like a, a, you know, a camelback or something like that on a hike. So you wear it out just for the sake of you versus you, you, yes, you will benefit by all of this stuff. Yes, you will make a lot of money. Yes, you will have a lot of success, but it will even be bigger and better. And when you look at the great companies in history, the ones that are still around today, um, they all, they're all better today than they've ever been. They're bigger, they're stronger, you know, Amazon's a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, it reminds me of another experience I had in the past and let, let me know what you think if this kind of fits with what you're describing. So years and years ago in another life, um, as a young 19 year old, I traveled halfway across the world and I spent two years, um, as a missionary for my church in South Korea. And for two years, I, I lived among the people, I learned the language and the culture and I, every day from 6 a.m. until 10.30 p.m. I worked my butt off and um, tried to help people. And um, yeah, so that's, that's how I spent two years. We, what would happen is there are these different geographical locations and we'd get transferred around. So um, you might spend anywhere from as little as like two months in one city um, up to a year. And it just depended on, on uh, the person who ran that mission, they would make those decisions about who would go where and when. Um, and there were always two missionaries together um, as companions and, and sometimes they would get split up, sometimes they'd move together, whatever. So that, that's kind of the context. And so you never knew when you went to a new location um, how long you would be there. Uh, I just knew I was there and I was there for at least two months, but I could be there you know, for the rest of the time I was in the country. Um, and so my mindset, very early on, I, I'm sure someone taught this to me or explained it to me, but the mindset that I adopted early on was that I was a steward of the service that happened in this location, in this neighborhood, in this city that I was stationed. Um, and for the time that I was there, as long as it may be that I would you know, do everything that I could uh, to build up the work there, to, to serve the people there, um, to assist in any way that I could, um, knowing that at any moment I could get pulled out and go and be put somewhere else. Um, but assuming, kind of treating it as though I, I very well may spend, you know, the rest of my two years in this location. Uh, so that mentality, as I think back on it, seems to me like a kind of a stewardship mentality um, where I recognized I didn't own the work in that location, but I was entrusted with it for a time, as long as that time, as short or as long as that time may be. And then once I left, I would hand the baton off to someone else and hope that they picked it up and continued the work in the way that I was doing it. 
Um, in actuality, I ended up, you know, switching locations several times. I'd have to think uh, exactly how many times I transferred, but uh, I was probably in five or six different places over the course of two years. Um, so on average, you know, I was probably in, in one location four to five months at a time. And, and each, each um, place grew really truly dear to my heart as I spent my time, you know, at least trying to be fully focused on those people, not looking for the next opportunity, not looking for the next transfer, where, you know, um, will I get some sort of a promotion? Will I, you know, not thinking about potential greener pastures, but just lifting where I stand. I'm in a, I'm in a spot right now. I've been given responsibility. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to maximize um, the good that can happen within the context that I'm in? And something else may never come, or it may. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter because I'm just going to do the best I can with what I have. Um, how does that resonate with you? Oh, very well. I mean, it, it, <laughs> that's every, that's everything that this is about, you know, the concepts of get rich quick, the stuff that is being shoved into the minds of young people through social media and YouTube and 99.9% .9 of it is complete and utter garbage. It's not true. The fact is, is when you find yourself in each one of these positions and you find yourself being your best self in that position, that steward, like you said, you felt like you owned this. And until you handed it off, this was yours and you were going to be dedicated to what it is and you wanted it to be better. Well, guess what? People notice that. That's what gets you noticed. If all you're doing is you're thinking of the next thing and you're not concentrating on perfecting this thing, you'll never be great at anything, okay? But when you take that mindset of being a student and you think about it, you're 19 years old, you're in a foreign country, I do know where you were and I know you spoke the language, but it wasn't as if you were completely fluent in it at the time, all right? But you felt this responsibility. You, not, not just as, say, a missionary for your church, but you felt the responsibility to those people that you were there to serve. But that made you a better person because of it. One of the reasons that you're in the position that you are today is because you learned that at a very young age. You became a steward at 19 years old. So think about that. At 19, you usually, you're far more hungry, you want to run, and you were able to, to humble yourself and do this and know that you were going to stumble and screw up the entire time too, right? Like, that's the other thing is, is that humility and allowing yourself to mess up that we're both going to take risks and we're going and we're going to actually mess up. But the mindset is always in whatever it is that you've been entrusted with, you will make it better. And you will be able to hand it off more than it was yesterday tomorrow and that's how you approach that situation and that's really the recipe of of success is be great at whatever it is that you're doing and, and and cultivate that and that will actually lead to success and it's being it's even being a steward of self right i mean that's something nobody really ever talks about either is is the idea of you could actually you're also a steward to self and as a steward, you want you to be better tomorrow than you were yesterday. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it's certainly something I tried to do. Um, you know, and what I described is kind of the ideal. Um, it's not like I was perfect at it. And it's not like every day I woke up and, um, you know, completely maximized, you know, that that frame of mind. But uh, but it, it was my desire and it continues to be my desire today. Um, but I think you and I both know lots of leaders that don't have anything close to that mindset. Um, so which is a problem. It can well, it can cause a lot of problems. So let's let's talk about um, the you know, as we think about the importance of stewardship, um, let's now apply it to um, leaders uh, and to followers. Why is it so problematic when leaders don't have a stewardship mindset, and how can it really help them to to be more effective leaders? Well, one of the things is is that you don't you don't understand your role over this organization within society. Like we always talk about, and I do, I buy into a lot of what Milton Friedman said about ownership and you know, with, with shareholders and things like that. And that's, that's where the loyalty has to lie. But that doesn't mean that it's at the destruction of everything. It should be at the growth and the benefit of everything. So first and foremost, leaders need to understand that their organizations are public goods, whether, whether we want to admit it or not. We can be like, listen, we're just about for profits. Like, no, it's a public good. You employ people. Those people are then able to go out and buy homes and they pay property tax, which pays for schools and fire departments and police departments and public works and pretty trees, you know? So whatever organization you start, it's not an island amongst itself. It's the, it, it, it is a part of a community. And the other thing is, is even if you go out and you start a business, well, unless you just sell it off and go sail off into the sunset, if you want to actually start something that's long-term, somebody else is going to stand at the helm of that business. You know, one of the cool things I like uh, when I see the Charles Schwab commercials today is they're actually showing him. You know, you think of this company, this investment company that he started years ago and just how successful it is. But one day he's going to hand that off. And that's constantly in his mind, by the way. If you listen to him speak, it's always about what the future is going to hold. And so for the leader, if they have that type of a mindset, they're thinking about that organization as a public good. They're thinking about that organization into the future. They're thinking about that organization out of the hands of themselves and into the hands of somebody else. So they're, they're even thinking about succession, which is something... I mean, we could talk about succession for hours because it's something that people ignore. But when you have a steward mindset, that stewardship mindset over an organization or whatever it is and you're interested in, you're also constantly thinking about succession. If something happens to me, who takes over? How am I cultivating this individual to, to, to step into this role, to hand this off and then let them run with it for a while? So that's one of the, that's one of the key things about you know, leaders understanding the concept of being a steward. Okay. Um, a, a, another thing in my mind, um, and I guess it would fall back down to succession as well, but it's, it's what employees do you want to recruit to this organization? Because if, if you treat an organization as a means to your end 
and not stewardship to be better, well, you're going to have a problem with retention. You're going to have a problem with recruitment because it's not like it was 20 years ago. People can go on Glassdoor. People can go on monster.com. They, they will read the comments that other people have to say about what it's like to work with this organization. And then good luck bringing in the best. I don't care how much money you throw. If it's a miserable place to work with, with, a, with a narcissistic egomaniac at the helm, you're just not going to get your best. You're not going to be able to recruit the best people. And the people you do recruit are going to be on monster.com looking for a new job as fast as they possibly can. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's one of the first things that I look at if I'm considering a new opportunity, uh, a new professional opportunity or whatever is who would I be working with? Who would I be reporting to? Yep. And what are they like? <laughs> because yep. I know that that can make or break the opportunity in terms of both my experience, my, you know, satisfaction in the work, but also my growth, you know, my growth potential. It's just like someone, you know, who's a really talented athlete, they want to go be coached by a great coach. They don't, cause they, they want their potential maximized. They don't want it limited. Um, they want to fulfill their, that potential. And some, some leaders are good at pulling that out of people and helping support people in that and others because they're toxic leaders, they're narcissists, it's all about them. That's not their frame of thinking and, and they, they don't help people thrive. Right. And you, if you think of your people, so you think of the organization, the organization itself is that is the, the, the plant in the pot. Okay. And it's the root that's coming down. And as that plant grows, it starts to grow these different arms and flowers and all this kind of stuff. These are your, these are your individuals and your operations and all of these things need to be cultivated where if you're ignoring them, you're not watering it, you're not taking care of it, you're not changing the soil, you're not changing the mineral, all this kind of stuff. Well, the plant is going to, it might be, it might be able to remain small for a while, but eventually it's just going to wither and die. Whereas if you keep adding to this and growing it and taking care of it, 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 it just does phenomenal. And I like the fact that you use the, the analogy of athletes. You look at somebody like a LeBron James, right? Now, one of the most gifted athletes to ever live, um, of course he wants to go where the best are playing because he wants to compete with the best because, you know, iron sharpens iron, metal sharpens metal. You know, nobody wants, nobody wants to hang around with I don't know, people who are second tier, they, can, they don't desire to be better. They don't desire to want to grow. If, if you hang around with a bunch of people that are going to eat, you know, Fritos and, and sit on the couch and play video games day in and day out, you're never going to be the best. But the steward also understands that and the steward would never allow their people to become that way because they know that that's bad for them. No. So if we have to then go out of stewardship and go back into the concept of servant leaders is you ask, do your people grow? And you think of the analogy of that plan again, where it's growing. Eventually you can't even keep that plant in the pot. You now have to put it in a bigger pot. And so if you think of that, like an organization, you now have to get a bigger building. You need to expand. Maybe you need a second headquarters. And those are exciting. That's, that's that growth because you're tending to it. It's that constant gardening of the organization that you're tending to as it's well, growing and it's getting better. And it's, it's literal organizational growth like you're describing, but it's also personal growth. So it's, it's, um, 
your good people won't stay in the positions you hired them into. So they'll either leave because they don't have an opportunity to grow within the company, or there will be growth opportunities where they can move from a smaller pot to a medium pot to a larger pot. Um, that's where succession planning comes in. That's through where career development planning comes in. Um, now, you're, you're not going to be able to retain everybody, but if we have that mindset that we're going to help every single person com who comes into the organization that I have stewardship over, that I'm going to help every single one of those people become better, stronger, to grow in their capabilities and capacities, um, then that's a thriving organization, and those individuals are going to grow and move from from um, spot to spot, and, and you'll cultivate the next generation of leaders within the organization. Yeah, well, again, it goes back to those pragmatic questions that Greenleaf asked in servant leadership. Do the, not only do those grow as people, but to those who serve, do they themselves become servant leaders? Do they them, because that's really what you want. If, if, you, if you know how to bake the cake, and you understand how to bake the cake. You want other people cooking your recipe. So that's why you have to serve them and cultivate them so they themselves become servants. They become stewards. All right? I mean, that's really what it all boils down to. We're hairless chimps. Like, we mimic what we see. When you bring somebody, especially with young people, when you bring them into an organization and they see that toxicity, that self-servedness, that the, the drive of, eh, if this doesn't work out, we'll just move on and go do something else. That gets on them. And it actually creates and shapes their personality and how they go about their future as well. But if they walk into an organization where they see that everybody is there for the organization, and when I say the organization, I mean the people as well. Because to me, coming from a servant leadership background, there isn't a difference between the people in the organization. They're one and the same. And so when a young person comes in and they see that type of environment, that type of community, they get excited, but they themselves also will start to harness those behaviors as well. And, and they, they will do better. You know, it, it's kind of that, it, I mean, it's trivial in, in elementary school, but it's lead by example, right? And if they see that their leaders are stewards, that, that, want to make this organization better then those people themselves will become stewards. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. All right. Let's, as we're, as we start to think about wrapping up the discussion today, let's transition and talk a little bit more about the role of stewardship and followership. Um, hopefully it's very clear to everyone through some of the examples we've provided, why it's so essential for leaders to see themselves as stewards, how does that play into, well, first of all, what is followership? And then how does that play into followership? So followership is essentially, <laughs> it's all of us, right? So nobody steps into the role of CEO. It's like you don't come out of the womb, go to K through 12, go on to college, hit grad school, get a great MBA and start it and, you know, just step right into being the CEO of an organization. It's just, that's really not how the world works followership is is that you know that you have a responsibility to be a be both a great colleague as also a great follower of those people that are in charge being leaders because for for those that have never been in charge of anything you have no idea how difficult it is to be in charge there's a reason why people who are in charge of things make more money and it's because they're the ones that have 
all of the stress and all of the responsibility because when the ship crashes into the iceberg, you're the one going down with it. Your people can get into the lifeboats, but you're going down. And so when you take on the role of what Winston called the servant follower, you develop this, this commitment to your leaders, okay? And you, you develop this commitment to their vision because they earned it, not, not, just, not just because, but, but they earned it. They, they, they're visionaries, um, they believe in empowerment and all this kind of stuff. And you in turn become that servant follower that's, that's willing to work with them and to bring their vision into fruition, all right? That's the concept of what followership is, part one. Part two is a great follower is a great colleague. So when you're a part of an organization, you might be delegated certain amounts of authority over something, or maybe you can, um, maybe you're given a project that you can be in charge of. Well, it's your job to be a steward of that project. You know, it's your job to grow that project out. It's, it's, that, it's that talent, you know, you need to grow these talents. You need to get these things better. That's what the concept of servant followership is, is it's a commitment to the leaders themselves and their visions, okay? It's a commitment to the organization as a whole. It's a commitment to your colleagues and it's a commitment to cultivate whatever it is that you've been entrusted with, that you've been empowered with. And that goes back to that whole cowboy poet notion of ride for the brand, okay? If, if, if you're entrusted, let's say you work for a big box retail store and you've now been entrusted to be a manager of that store, all right? And this is a store that has thousands of locations across, let's just say the United States. Well, across the street is another big box store, which is your competitor. That, that competitor, that's not your responsibility. Your, your responsibility is to cultivate that business that you've been entrusted with and to run the mission and the vision that your leaders all the way up the chain have set forth. So that's your brand. Your brand isn't your competitor that's across the street. So if you're delivering Coke, you better not get caught drinking Pepsi. You know, you have to, you have to ride for that brand and this, and because you want to make it better as well. That to me is what that to me is what servant followership and stewardship of followers means. Yeah, I think that's great. And and just like we can have toxic leaders who are all about themselves and it's their ego and it's what they're doing and accomplishing, and they're not really thinking about the people. There's also jerk colleagues, right? There's oh, there's yeah. there's there's followers who don't really follow, and they're just constantly a fly in the ointment. Not not in a positive way in terms of positive disruption, you know, challenging people to think creatively, those sorts of things. We're talking about people who are just constantly negative, constantly um, causing uh, internal strife and, and struggle. And those people are also all about themselves. It's all about how they, they're not getting what they deserve or what they feel entitled to, or they're upset because someone was promoted instead of them. And so, then they have a chip on their shoulder and instead of supporting that new person in their role, you know, they do things to undermine that person, you know, that kind of dynamic happens in organizations all the time. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we definitely need leaders who have those, have these servant leader characteristics and, and have a desire to see themselves 
and their stewardship and responsibility over their people. Um, but but for successful organizations to to be sustainable and thrive, they need to hire people who will also uphold and sustain and support their leaders. Because like you said, it's it's an incredibly stressful um, thing. And it's it doesn't, I think one of the hardest things about being a leader is that you can't ever get rid of the weight that's on your shoulders. It, it's It's constant. So you go home at night and the weight is still there. And so it can impact your sleep. It has, you know, it can have, you know, stress, anxiety, and other health uh, ramifications for people. It it takes a toll on people, um, and so, you know, hopefully our leaders are are good leaders. Hopefully they're they're people focused leaders, um, but they're not going to be perfect, and they're going to make mistakes. And rather than nagging and and uh, causing problems every time a mistake happens. We need to be thinking, how can we support and sustain them the same way we hope that they will support and sustain us? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that loyalty. That's that cycle. It's that relationship cycle that exists between the leader and the follower, the servant leader, the servant follower, the servant steward, you know, leader and the servant steward follower that you can't just dump on your bosses. You can't. They are the ones that are drinking Maalox at, at three in the morning to try to keep that stomach acid from eroding their esophagus. Like that's where the stress is. Like you said, it never turns off. If I'm paying you an hourly salary and you're, or a nice salary and you're doing well, that's fantastic. Right. But I have to worry about how the damn lights are going to stay on. But if you hire people that have that steward mindset as well as you, and you cultivate that within your organization, everybody becomes concerned about the lights. Everybody becomes concerned about the growth. They start asking, all right, what do we need to do to make this better? Where are the pitfalls? What's coming at us that we don't see? You know, do you have, do you have a strategic thinking mindset or do you have a strategic planning mindset? Because it's two different things. And a stewardship organization has a strategic thinking mindset. You know, they change with the winds, as Engel said. They, it, it is this, it's this liquid organization where people, where people are constantly thinking about it, even though they're not the ones that are in charge of it. And I know it's rare, but you, if you make people, if you help people become their best and successful, you give them ownership in the, the company. Maybe not ownership as in you just give them a percentage of the company. Maybe it's stock options. Maybe it's the opportunity after so many years that you work here. And if we're this successful, you get this sort of percentage of ownership in it. Who knows what it is? But it's, it creates that stewardship mindset to, to make it better. And your job as the leader becomes easier. You don't have to swallow so many Rolaids after a while because everybody is concerned about the organization. And they're concerned about the organization in society. They're concerned about how people see it. You know, you think about the military or the fire and rescue or law enforcement. If they're out there with their department t-shirt or their unit t-shirt on, and they're sitting in a bar room and they're drunk and they're getting into fights and brawls, they're writing for that brand. It's a big old billboard that they're wearing there. And it reflects back onto their organization. That's why when somebody commits a crime or screws up that's a public servant, they always say, is a police officer with, is a firefighter with, is a soldier or an airman or a sailor in this unit? Like, 
they make it clear because you ride for that brand. You're a steward for that brand and your behavior directly affects the organization itself. And when you can build a culture where people understand that and everybody works towards making it better, man, you, you can build some unstoppable organizations. And this isn't pie in the sky, a hyperbole. This is Southwest Airlines. This is, you know, TD Industries. This is Google. This is Starbucks. Like these are, these are companies that the people ride for the brand, especially the people that have been long-term. And when you see their successes, yeah, it's there. It's imperative yeah. to know it exists. And I, and I think this is particularly important, important during times of um, crisis and you know, like like the pandemic we're dealing with right now, um, it, it requires a coalescing of um, of good intentions and and work ethic towards helping um, the people thrive and the organization to survive within the crisis. Um, otherwise, things go downhill very quickly. Um, and it's I, I've been pleased to see how many organizations in this amidst this crisis have been able to do just that, where people step up, where they're willing to, to put their own personal interests aside for the good of the people, for the good of the company, for the good of the brand, as you mentioned. Um, that's that's been inspiring to see. Uh, but then there's of course also other examples where that's not happening, and those are the companies that aren't going to make it. Um, they're not going to get through this. Well, watching, I have friends that own restaurants in the city where I live and I've talked to them and even been into their places since we've had that slow opening since COVID started. And I'm like, where is everybody? And they're like, they didn't come back. We invited them back, but they're making more on unemployment. And they're like, oh, I'm making more on unemployment. I won't come back. Well, guess what? They all had the same mindset. Don't come back. Because we suffered too. You know, you, you think of, when you want to talk about risk and something that I, I respect greatly, it's an individual who is willing to put everything they have on the line to open a restaurant because statistically you're going to fall on your face and you're going to fail, but you're going to, but when you're successful, you're really successful, but, but your margins are slim. You know, you only, you have, you have this, you have this amount of room to play with. And so, when your when your people are like, oh, screw that noise, I'm not coming back, I'm earning more on unemployment right now. Well, that wasn't the point of it. We knew it was gonna happen. Like those of us that have been doing the math, we knew this stuff was gonna happen with companies, um, but it still stinks because people don't understand that that loyalty will get you further. Like maybe one day that individual wants to open up another restaurant and they're like, hey, how would you like to have 10% of the book and $100,000 a year? And I want to open up this new restaurant and I want you to go out there and I want you to run it forward. You know, like people have to stop thinking about tomorrow and they have to start thinking about their, the, the future. And that's the other thing when you're a steward, especially if you're lucky enough to be with, with a small company that's just starting out, you can be there from the beginning. The chances are if you grind, you're going to do well. You know, that company is going to help you as much as you help that company. And when you think of a restaurant, if that restaurateur is like, hey, I need to open up another place and you've been rocking it, you know, you just bring it every day. You've been as loyal here. And all of a sudden you've got ownership. You don't even have to come out of pocket with equity. And they're like, we're going to give you five, 10% plus a six figure income. 
Now you're running the show. It's yours. That's what, that's really what being a student, I believe because of the stuff that I see through my research and consulting and work that when you, when you have that mindset, it does pay off. It will, and I, it's not a hundred percent. The only thing that's a hundred percent is death, you know, other than that, but it's pretty damn close. If you're a steward and you're loyal to an organization and you're a steward and you're a leader of an organization loyal to your people, it pays off and it pays off in spades. Yeah. And I like how you framed it uh, in terms of being in the moment, being present today and in, in your stewardship responsibilities. Um, and not, that doesn't mean we're not trying to, to plan for the future and think strategically. Um, but it means we're not, we're not allowing ourselves to get distracted either. And we're not looking for the greener pastures. Um, because what tends to happen is once you think you've identified a greener pasture, what happens to what your commitment is to your current role? It usually goes down, right? Because you mentally, oh, time, yeah. you mentally check out and you're ready to move on to the next thing. Even if you still have a couple months left in your current role. Um, and so it's about being present in the moment with what needs to happen and what you're doing. Um, and that the it's, it's the paradox, you know, of, of life, but, when you do that, it will have, it will tend to have better long-term sustainable benefits to you than if you're always constantly looking at tomorrow and what's the next thing that I'm going to do. Right. Yep. Uh, and that's exactly what you were just describing. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how to convince people of that um, other than to talk through it like this and share examples, because I think it's contrary to a lot of this, messages we get in society about how we should live our lives and what success looks like um about getting yours and 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 uh whatever um and the, the irony is that a lot of times it's it's it will pay off more in the long run um as you lay the foundation and the groundwork for sustainable growth and success um because you're building relationships you're building your network um you're building your own personal brand, your own expertise, uh, your own reputation, and all of those things matter as you progress in life and as you move on to your next opportunities. Yes. And the get rich quick stuff. Everybody points to the anomaly, not the norm. It's like when somebody tells me, I don't need to go to college. Steve Jobs didn't go to college. Well, guess what? You're not Steve Jobs. You're not. You're not Bill Gates. Those, they're rarities, they're unicorns, okay? That's what they are. They're rarities, they're unicorns. When you point to success, 99% of the time, the success is built on what you and I are speaking of. Because when you're, when you're a steward of your organization and you give a damn, you, you, you attract that. You are a certain type of light that attracts others with that type of a mindset to make something successful. You know, if you think that you're 19 and you're going to go be a day trader, good luck. 99% of people literally don't make one cent in profit day trading. Okay. If you think that you're just going to go out there and start an online business or a YouTube channel, well, guess what? More than 99, the 1% is real. And it's not just for rich people. The 1% is success. Only 1% of people in whatever it is that they're going after will ever be successful. 
They just will. But they all seem to cook the exact same recipe. And that doesn't mean that you can't point to, you know, there's always going to be that, that miserable individual. But 99% of the time, that's not the person who's successful. And what we like to do in society is, is we like to point to that one individual and go, see, it can be done the other way. It's like, yeah, your diet pill allowed one person to lose 100 pounds, but everybody else gained weight. So shut up. <laughs> you know, th that's, really, that's really the problem. I don't know. It hurts. It hurts right now because I think young people are under a lot of pressure, but I also think they're getting, they're getting the wrong impression. You have a bunch of people on social media that are showing them what it's like to have a Bugatti or a McLaren. And usually the Bugatti, or the McLaren is rented. You know, they don't even own it. They're staying in an Airbnb and they're going to tell you how to be successful. And they're really not success. The, the true success comes from grinding, it comes from sacrifice, and it comes from surrounding yourself with people that are smarter and faster and bigger and stronger and better than you are and being a steward to them and then being a steward to you and then you lead it forward. That's what the recipe for success is. And if people don't understand it, shame on them, your chances of failing are huge. Well, Eric, uh, that's a great way to uh, kind of sum things up as we wrap it wrap up this episode amen to that um it's truly our hope that that leaders will recognize their stewardship over their people that that um colleagues and co-workers those who are in followership positions that they will also see the, the importance of the stewardship that they have in helping drive success within the organization it's a shared responsibility and that's really the whole point it's shared responsibility for shared growth shared development um and that's that's what servant leadership uh is all about and what a, you know developing a sustainable people-centric organization is all about um thank you for your time um i encourage listeners to to think critically about how you might be able to apply some of these concepts and examples into your day-to-day -day work life and how you interact with your people and until next week, uh, I hope you stay healthy and safe. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.